And another episode. Episode 20. 20 to zero. Whoa. And for our 20th special, we have, we have Jose, Joseph. Joseph Ben Joseph Benzewi. Oh, you were being serious. That is his name. Okay. Yes. That's Sorry, no, that is I, yeah, I, Joseph, <laughs> Joseph Sharif Benzawi. We were serious. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, dead serious. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my bad. Uh, so uh, welcome to the show, Joseph. Introduce us to yourself. Let us know who you are, how you know us, what you do. Um, yeah, my name is Joseph. Uh, I was friends with Ali in college. We didn't really know each other, I think, till later in college. When did we meet? It was like my senior year, your junior year. Yes. That's when I, I met both Ali and a previous guest you guys had on your show, uh, Zach Flint. Mr. Flint. So even then, we didn't really hang out too much. I think that's my senior year. We started hanging out more after I graduated uh, and when Ali was, was still a senior. Um, and then he moved off to L.A. And I, I've missed him since. I'm on, uh, I'm on the East Coast He's in Boston. Boston originally from seattle on the on the west coast grew up there but came to school uh here on the on the east coast i went to to boston university and, and i studied econ and sustainable energy and now i'm i'm out here i'm working going through the the first two years of adulthood and then um doing various uh various grant work and now uh now i'm working full-time as a as a research analyst uh, in the field of what they call distributed energy resources. So yeah, it's a, I think a short, short and sweet summary. A short and sweet summary of uh, Joseph Benzeri. I just need five minutes and I'll be back. All right. Oh no, what are me and Joseph going to talk about in five? Hmm. What? what we, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what is, what's me up? and Ali trying to have a conversation. Yes, it's, uh, that sounds so difficult. Tell no, me about I, it. Mm-hmm. Dude, I miss you. I miss I, you, uh, Joseph. Yes. I was planning, I, I remember we were talking about uh, doing like a California trip. Oh, you should. I had, I had thought about it, you know, mm-hmm. remember like early February, like sometime in March, <laughs> right before. And then, what, and then what happened? Right before everything happened. Everything happened. Well, Everything happened and then yeah. nothing happened. If, yes. If that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. Day and age. Mm-hmm. Nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing actually happened. Nothing's nothing been happening. Nothing actually happened. That's the <laughs> I whole feel point. like Every, that's the whole everything's point. been happening. Everything's been nothing. happening. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. yeah what, what does that mean, Joseph? Wait, break that down. I think. You know, to me, that really means, you know, once yeah, once we come back post quarantine, I think everyone's going to have a, a better appreciation for for the smaller things and the simpler things and spending time with other people and, you know, going out, you know, on a weekend yeah. and just being able to spend time with other people and have a lot of those conveniences that we have come to expect and take for granted every day that have now been, you know, taken from us as we as we have to kind of sit in quarantine and figure out what this, what a new version of life looks like now. And I think it'll be really, it'll be really interesting to go back, you know, however long it takes, you know, 2021, some people are saying is maybe the earliest we'll get a vaccine, like fall 2021, which is well pretty crazy to think that that's the world we live in right now where, yeah. and a, a good, a good outcome would be, you know, 2021 being that earliest timeline. So it's like, it could be 2022, 2023, but whenever it comes back, you know, whenever life comes back to the way it was, it'll be really interesting. I, I hope, maybe I'm just assu- I'm thinking or assuming too much that people will start to want to spend time with people. I feel like you're more. very optimistic, Joseph. I feel like that whole analysis, I feel like That's people are going to be, you think- I think people are going to get PTSD after this whole thing. That's my worry. My worry is that after like all the anxiety for like months and months and months and months that it would damage 
something and yeah what are people gonna be like it's hard to have a conversation now too it's hard to have a conversation dude i mean when after you're talking to like your friends on zoom for day after day after day and you're used to being socially distant right people are already socially distant enough and then you get in the habit of like connecting with your friends like whatever through google hangout or something and then you stop seeing them in person i haven't seen a lot of my friends in person understand it's covid but like at one at what point you know is it like you know, I feel like one of the most important things in life is like your friends, your connections, your relationships, right? And we all, you know what I mean? It's like, and I, I'm afraid that with a lot of the hostility and a lot of people fighting in family with it about a lot of things, but mainly now like politics, right? A lot of people in families are like fighting over like whatever, you know? Yeah, just anything, just really, you're just fighting, you know what I mean? It's like, and people forget that the more the most important thing and you know in society is the human connection between everyone that's yeah. what makes a society a society i think yeah it's yeah. The, the basic human connection mm-hmm. basic mm-hmm. human interaction but uh i think one of the main reasons we did this podcast, Mike, Ali. I, oh. mm-hmm. okay uh better mm-hmm. okay i think one of the main reasons i agreed to do this podcast is to maintain my uh, ability to keep up a conversation you know mm-hmm. and just maintain that human interaction with different kinds of people because look i'm not too worried because this isn't the first pandemic and it's not the last <laughs> uh, yes. no it's 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 true throughout mm-hmm. all of history since the very beginning you know this this isn't something new for us but I don't know. I honestly, I'm lost for words with what's lost going on words. right now. Yeah, it's just, it's just overwhelming to be. Well, I feel like the future. I feel like what I like about Joseph is that he is optimistic to the future, right? And I feel like you being like involved in environmental sustainability, that's a very mm-hmm. optimistic, you know, view of the future, right? It's like something you work on that betters the future. Yeah, I What's mean, something in some ways, you're working you- on now. Yeah, like. Well, to kind of go with what you were saying there, in some ways, it's like is it really optimism or is it how do, how do people value the present versus the past? It's like something, fu- a fundamental concept in econ as they talk about is, is the discount rate. Like how do you, how do you value the present versus the future? How much do you discount the future in comparison to the present moment? It's like the idea of, you know, why do certain people spend their days, you know, doing things like exercising and organizing and making plans and studying that's all stuff that's pushing them forward into the future, things that'll benefit them later, uh, as opposed to, you know, sitting down and, you know, watching the TV on the couch and, you know, enjoying junk food and stuff. That's all stuff that's, you know, bringing us happiness, quote unquote, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. joy, whatever in the present. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you call almost optimism in my mind is more of a, of value for the like future, like being more future oriented, yeah, as opposed to present the oriented. Present oriented, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which can be dangerous, you know. Which it's can like, be dangerous because if yeah, you're not in the moment, you, right? If yeah, you, you, lo- yourself, you lose it. Yeah, people get crazy. People yeah. with anxiety and paranoia, right? Like people, some people, some schizophrenics think that they're being chased all the time, right? <laughs> and like any moment, anyone's gonna come get them. So they're too future oriented, maybe. But I go, you're trying to say, Joseph. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, tell us more about um, what do you what do you do, Joseph? As what do I do? Yes. Wow, what do I do? What do you um, care about, Joseph? Yeah, the most. What do I care about? 
I mean, that's very different, I think, than my work. I mean, I do care about my work, but what do mm -hmm. I really care about? I think a lot of, I enjoy spending time with other people. I think, mm -hmm. I think I've come to realize that more and more is like, what's important to me is, is spending time with people and, and doing things rather than having things. And I think that's become a lot more clear to me coming post-college is that, you know, spending time with people, making plans with people, talking with people and, you know, having relationships with people is, is what seems to be, you know, w providing the most happiness. And it's something that is commonly cited, I think, by uh, a lot of people at the end of their life. And they ask, how happy are you? You know, and they ask all these people, you know, different questions about their satisfaction with their lives. And some of the most happy people consistently would come back and, and say that meaningful relationships was what was critical or one of the most important factors of why they were happy or one of the most important reasons to why they were happy. So it's like seeing that and then realizing that in the past couple of years, that has led me to just kind of try to prioritize like spending time with other people and having conversations. Um, uh, what? Which is very... Conversations about having conversations. <laughs> what, so what's I don't know. Anything, you know? What do you think is going anti having conversations? Like what is holding people back from um, having like an hour conversation on a certain, any topic, right? I think there are a lot of different things that can affect why people have trouble making conversations, you know? Like I can have trouble making conversations with people if I don't know them very well. You know, mm -hmm. that's like one reason. That's but one like, reason. That's true. We've talked about me, me and you, Ali. We've talked about this before about you know the 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 role of social media. Yeah. And the what, way what the ad. Well, I mean, we we've talked about this, but I guess uh, for context is something that me and Ali, like at the end of 2018, were talking a lot and thinking a lot about was how once we've introduced social media, you know, the number of times you've been at a party, you've seen lots of people on their phones, checking Facebook, um, you know, it's, it can be harder to have conversations with people, mm -hmm. you know, that you don't really know so well. Um, in a world where we are easily connected, we become very disconnected. Yeah. So it's like, imagine you're at a party and you don't really know that many people. You, it's not like in the, in general, I'm not saying everyone's just always on their phone, but, I think it's it's limiting people's ability to have conversations with new people. Mm -hmm. Like it's easy enough for me and you, Ali, to talk and have a conversation because we know each other well. But when you're in new settings and there's new people, mm -hmm. sometimes I find that in like social settings or at a get together, you don't know someone very well. Lots of people don't know each other very well. Mm -hmm. There's a tendency to go back to your phones, to, you know, to check Instagram, check Facebook, text other people, and it's, it's I think it's part of this larger issue where people have trouble being content with the present and making do with whatever's in front of them, as opposed to, you know, mm -hmm. looking for the next best thing. Like what's mm -hmm. everybody else doing right now? What else could I be doing? Yes. And it's something I've talked a lot about with, I think one of my more recent roommates is, you know, why can't we just sit and have dinner? Why do we have to have sit and have dinner and watch TV and have something mm -hmm. to be doing? Mm -hmm. He's like, why don't we just sit down right now and eat? You know, it's like, wasn't this nice that like all of us sat around and, you know, we didn't always have stuff to talk about. We enjoyed the food. We made some conversation, but we didn't, you know, wasn't it nice to not feel the need to fill the gap with something else like going on your phone or watching TV? I don't know. It's, 
it's, it's, I don't think it's very... filling the gap. I I, I kind of disagree with you there. Watching it's not TV? about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's watching TV is not filling the gap. There is no gap to begin with. You know, you can simply just enjoy the presence of the people around you. That's that's easy mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. But we choose to make a gap and then try and fill it for no reason. I'm talking about but like and eating. TV. But eating in front of the TV, the food doesn't become like you're not really mindfully eating at that point. Yeah. A lot of people who binge eating, binge eating while they're like doing something else, like they're watching TV. So, it's, or you know what I mean? So it's like in the it's like in the background eating consumption as opposed to like you're having a meal. Uh, I don't with know. Your family I, I, and being mindful eating it. I mean, I'm sure you love eating in front of the TV. I'm not, or you know, I don't think it's a bad thing to do. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. I'm just saying I don't know. not the most mindful thing. For me, for me, I've, I can't remember a single time I ate and there was a TV in front of me. Like, I can't do that. Oh, you can't, I can't have a TV. Oh, you... I cannot. No, no, no. We, we can, uh-huh. but my family, we choose not to. Ah, I know what you mean. You know? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but even for me now, when, when I was living on my own in Jordan, I had my PC and you've seen my setup. So I had two screens. So I was like, cool. So now when I eat, I get to watch something, but I couldn't. Like, I couldn't keep up with what's going on and eat at the same time. I don't know if this is just me or if this is, like, something normal. But mm-hmm. for me, it's more of I either enjoy the presence of whoever's around me or I just enjoy the food that's in front of me. But uh, also have to watch TV. I don't know about that, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, no, mindful. I get your You got to mind, be okay. mindful. Yeah. Be mindful. So, yeah, so and do re- things that are important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 that as well. Joseph, I have. I just want to ask Joseph a very very big question. A very big yeah. question. I'm not sure if you can answer this, but I'll ask you. All right, Joseph. Well, right now you have like 40 million people in the United States unemployed. Right, a lot of these jobs aren't coming back. Right, just because you know advances of, you know, the technology. Right, like Amazon is just gonna take a huge load of the market share from like small businesses, whatever, a lot of places are going to close down, can't open back up. What do you, and like this is happening around the globe. We were just talking about how like in Lebanon, there like unemployment is skyrocketing and so many places around the world with COVID and everything uh, are hurting. Uh, and this is just, so what are these millions and millions and millions of people going to do with their time when, um, I don't know, have post COVID? When they when you don't have a job, yeah, I think I think COVID represents a an interesting, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but an interesting potential shift in employment in the sense that a lot of these large you know large companies that exist in downtown centers, um, whether they're like financial companies or research institutions or um, economic consulting groups or Amazon tech firms, whatever it is, you know, we, we live in a world right now where many of these large, large companies exist in very clustered downtown centers. And now that we have, we have COVID right now, it's forced everyone to shift to, uh, to working from home. Mm-hmm. And in the immediate term, you know, that means now that everyone's working from home, a lot of the associated employment in these downtown areas, not just, well, first of all, just the, those that are existing in terms of food and, you know, selling services to people who are, you know, working downtown, um, but also um, 
there's the, you know, you have the downtown nightlife and a lot of, you know, other things that are closing down because of COVID. But just thinking about that one singular aspect of shifting, you know, research, tech, econ, all those large downtown centers to having all these people working from home, there's a lot of these other people who relied upon them in these downtown centers that are no longer going to be able to supply their services in the immediate term just because, you know, as long as until schools figure out what they're going to do, mm-hmm. as well as like daycare and other other resources for parents that allow them to, you know, put their kids somewhere while they're working. That's true. Parents are going to have to stay at home. Stay at home. As long, so as long as the parents are staying at home, it doesn't even matter uh-huh. what like the government orders or anything say. It's like until schools and daycare and all those other resources for dealing with your kids while you're working come back mm-hmm. into play. The response from a lot of these workers who have kids are just going to keep being, I have to stay home. I don't, have stay any, home. I, don't, I don't have anywhere to put my kids. And even after COVID. After, yeah. So after that, right? Well, school even are- after that. Mm-hmm. Schools are open, all that stuff. You know, companies are already starting to offer this this concept of working from home indefinitely. Yeah, and Twitter a lot just of, announced that you can just stay from home forever. Yeah, and yeah. it's mm-hmm. now that companies are realizing they have the capabilities and that it's possible. A lot of corporations and companies, the heads of these companies who might have been against you know the concept of working from home for whatever reason, mm-hmm. now that they're seeing their companies can successfully do it. And they do have the bandwidth and it's possible there it's changing their minds you know those who were you know living in a under a different belief about working from home and so a lot of people aren't going to come back to work i think there's going to be a big shift of these downtown centers and this could represent a turning point in in history where work starts becoming much more distributed in a sense and so what happens when work you know all these were distributed in the sense that they're just, they're working from home. Oh yeah. So what if if the idea is now this could be a turning point where working from home becomes more and more normal and Mm -hmm. office life starts to slowly shift away and become less and less common. And so how is that going? You know, these businesses like restaurants and bars and like, yes, what are they going to do about it? Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? I don't know. That's, that's a big uncertainty and they can't, they can't, they're hurting right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And they can't, you know, a lot of them have already shut down and other ones that haven't shut down. Even in the future, I don't know what kind of business model these like restaurants and service industry, you know, type jobs can, what kind of business model these companies can follow it where they're only open, say, two days a week or three days a week if they're not having that weekday influx. And the only times people are coming into the cities are, on the on the weekends like this is a whole interesting thing to think about of if we so see like the weekdays they selectively declining. open yeah so you see weekdays declining restaurants just open up in the weekends and save costs and that's what i'm saying is is that even possible i don't yeah. know like mm-hmm. from a i don't know how business models work for yeah for restaurants, but restaurants yeah can they, yeah can uh-huh. these companies afford to only to to pay rent and own all these spaces and have all this overhead and only work for two days a week in my mind there's going to be too many fixed costs for them to be covering uh-huh. in order to, to, to call it, uh, to justify staying open. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they can do that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it really begs a lot of questions about this is why the future, we, the future of the service industry. Yeah. What's going to happen to the service industry? There's, there's, service there's industry, a lot of questions. The retail now. industry. And the all retail the, industry. Yeah. yeah like-
you're working on a mall and you're like, you know, like a 40 year old mom with like kids and like, you just, whatever, as a cashier. And then people aren't <laughs> going shopping anymore. Cause you no one wants to go outside yeah. anymore. What are you going to do about like they're, it? Yeah. Sure. There are, there are limited industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Limited industries can work from home. So what's, you know, the, like I've been, yeah. so what's the solution, Joseph? What's the solution here? I don't know. It's really, it's pretty crazy to think about mm-hmm. like, what does this mean for like what the, this could represent a really crazy transition in like, the composition of a traditional workforce, like mm. the percentage splits of industries. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I, it's kind of crazy. Dude, <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Well, UBI, dude, is what we need, is what I'm trying to tell you, Joseph. UBI is the answer to all this. These I don't know what's, a lot. I have UBI? not read a lot. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you about UBI. UBI is simple, right? You give everybody, every citizen in the country, this is Andrew Yang's platform, was you'd give every single citizen a thousand bucks a month, every month, forever, right? Every citizen, right? And the idea is that it's like um, upward um, mobility, you know? So like you give, if you give people money, they're going to spend it in the market and, they're just, and that's just going to go up and go into taxpayers and that's like how they generate the whole thing. But you're giving wow. people cash and that would help people like if you are like a business, right? Um, like you can do a startup if you don't have to like worry about rent and if you don't have to worry about, you know, like, uh, so a thousand bucks a month is like a good stability. F- Instead of starting like from zero every month, you start from a thousand bucks a month. Like Kuwaitis have something like that, right? If I'm not wrong, do you guys not like get like a monthly salary or income or if you're a student? For doing or- jack shit? If- no, not for doing jack shit, for whatever, for doing what you're doing, Yanni. Yeah, no, we didn't. Ah, okay. Yeah, so it's, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Spain now has a UBI. They're getting 500 bucks a month okay. for every, all their citizens. I don't understand how, why America is dealing with this whole situation the way it's dealing with. I don't know what's the whole, like, issue. Why can't they just do what every other country is doing, to be honest? You're saying even Spain is doing what Kuwait has been doing for, for a while. <laughs> Canada's doing it, like, too. Yeah, Canada's giving Canada's up. doing it yeah, too. Thousands of dollars. Uh, my 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 main issue is you're still like I this is what I believe should happen before I get into the main issue. I think they should just stop the taxes, okay, mm-hmm. for everything that's been going on until it's completely over. That's one. Two improve the lives of your citizens. I mean, they are your citizens. They <laughs> they seem to think like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. You know, yeah, they're they're more invested in keep maintaining the control, and they're less invested in tell us your problem so that we may solve it. That's that's what I really judge. But I'm lagging, aren't I? Yeah, a little bit, but we can still hear you. Yeah, we can still hear you. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like. Uh, this I think this is more of a plot, in my opinion, uh, for the big industries to finally take over the small business starting mm-hmm. up, you know, that, that mm-hmm. can't keep their shops open, that can't mm-hmm. keep running their businesses because of lack of fund. So here's my message to the people of the United States. This is the perfect opportunity to invest in these small businesses. Okay, help them keep alive because they are 
first of all, they're less, you know, malicious than the bigger industries, the bigger businesses like Amazon, Google, and whatever, and like all these clothing industries. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about this. I'd love to hear. Yeah, and also a lot of the stores on my street got broken into. Small businesses recently got smashed and robbed. You know what I mean? During the protests that were happening um, over the last couple of weeks, and it's like a lot of places like are but really why? like ruined. I don't know. I just people are. It's it's going through ruin, dude. It's not. It's not the best time to be like a small business right now. Unfortunately, yeah. We'll see how this transitions us, Joseph, into uh, this uh, next question. Uh, Joseph, yeah, Ali, your first point though was interesting about mm-hmm. universal basic income because mm-hmm. then it it makes me beg the question: is when it, when you have so many people facing this kind of unemployment right now? Yeah. Where are we going to get the money to fund universal basic income? You know, dude. Well, what's everyone? What's everyone spending their money on? Amazon, right? Or you know, what I mean, it's like what well, what will happen is you'll have like Facebook, Google, Amazon, Tesla, whatever. They're gonna like. I mean, it's inevitable. They have all the money and resources, right? So just yeah, um, I, yeah, and just and I th- tax them and just tax them and distribute it to the people and just don't. You don't even have to. Andrew Yang's policy was you'd put a VAT tax, a value-added tax to every purchase, right? Every Uber mile, every Facebook, you know, ad, whatever. You'd like tax all of that. And then, yes, you can give it to the people. A lot, enough people are already on unemployment, Joseph. You got what you got to think about right now. You know so I mean? many people are on un- unemployment so Instead right of just now. giving it, yeah, they're already giving it, free, I mean, free-handed. You know what I mean? So it's like, why not just control it? And but that, but that's all coming out of the government, out of out of the federal budget. All of the spending is eventually going to have to be paid back by us <laughs> in the Wait. form of taxes. Eventually, taxes. right? Yes, eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And the other another point I'd say is it's it's easy to want to say that all these big corporations right now are evil because they're the ones who are surviving, but it's kind of a natural, I think, outcome of of what's happening right now is they they have the capital and they're larger, and it's just when you're a larger company, you, you benefit from economies of scale and it's a lot easier for them to stay afloat. And, and it kind of makes sense for them right now mm-hmm. to buy up smaller yeah, but, businesses. But, and, mm-hmm. but the thing is, I didn't say they're evil. I'm saying it looks malicious. It, it looks does look malicious. Like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially in like times like these, yeah. people are vulnerable and they just come and seize upon yeah, the weak. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, it's an unfortunate, I think it's, yeah, it's a natural consequence of what's happening right now is mm-hmm. where I'm seeing there, we're seeing that in the renewable space right now is that yeah. smaller companies are being bought up by bigger companies who can afford to operate right now. And then other companies who are smaller. And is that good? Simply, is that a good thing or a bad thing for? Well, I mean, what do we know about bigger companies buying up all the smaller companies and slowly small smaller companies and mid-range companies getting going away and now you're left with you know a few smaller companies or i mean a few bigger companies and what do we call that we call that an oligarchy (laughs) and then then what what happens to the oligarchy you know it's 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 uh slippery slopes dude well we're already there i know what you're talking about we're already already there it's just all like you know what i mean like you just have like the main ones and you don't have really a lot of independent fair media. It's just that like big corporate um, news stations. And um, yeah, and a lot of, you know, independent journalism is gone mostly because you can't afford it. You know what I mean? And 
That's why you got. That's another reason why you got to fund journalists, dude. Fund people. Let people just like pay rent. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then, the, and then they can start doing things that are beneficial for the community instead of just like. That's something I would support. Mm-hmm. I would be very into. I don't know. I don't read a lot of news. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't consider myself whatsoever. You know, you know, oriented with the news. I don't really follow politics. Like mm-hmm. if people ask me political questions, I always say, not really well informed about that because I don't follow politics, but. I would definitely, I could see myself paying to, you know, buy into like a monthly news subscription that was directly supporting a, you know, a truly independent, yeah. you know, piece of news or journalism. Mm-hmm. And you would do that if you had extra resources. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the fact is that what's happening is that if no one has the resources, because it's all being stolen by whatever, you know, by Amazon or whatever, because they like the, the majority of the wealth is with them, right? Instead of like being normal and distributed between us. So we can't yeah, buy and stuff. In the US, the wealth mm-hmm. distribution is really skewed. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the statistics, but like the top 1% and top 10% own an outrageous amount of, the, an outrageous percentage of the total wealth in the US compared to the bottom 90 or 99%. It's a very skewed and it's really scary when you actually see the numbers. I forget what they look like. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, so you're a vegan? You're a vegan uh, still? N- no, I've, uh, I've gone back and forth. I never even went full vegan. Yeah. I had always had, like, I never fully cut out all my animal products. And, but I, I think I've gone vegan for like a couple weeks at a time before. And I've gone through mostly, like, I kind of naturally through my own choices went through, um, or came to a diet that was, slowly removing more and more animal products like i had removed eggs simply because i was worried about cholesterol or and i was trying to experiment with with how i felt after eating meat versus non-meat products but how did you feel i definitely felt like the like the weeks where i wasn't eating um like say eggs or meat i i felt like i was a little bit lighter like i had after a meal, I didn't feel so heavy or clouded or foggy, but I also found myself being really hungry during those, those weeks when I wasn't eating meat and was skipping um, dairy product, um, uh, animal products. Mm-hmm. I, f- I found it harder to feel fuller longer. I don't know. I'm, I'm not too into the whole uh, vegan and vegetarian thing why is i just i disagree with it it's not that it's not as healthy as people think it is it's not i mean it's i don't i don't think people do it mainly for their body i think a lot of people do it for like environmental reasons or for uh uh animal rights reasons right isn't that a huge part of uh joseph it depends vegan community yeah it depends on people's motivators like Mm -hmm. i i did it mostly for health like i didn't really Mm. I mean, sure. Yes. I, as someone who calls himself an environmentalist, (laughs) I should, I should support the idea of veganism from an environmental perspective, but truth be told, Mm. I never felt any intrinsic motivation to shift towards, you know, a vegan diet for Mm. the sake of the environment, even though that's something people talk about is very important. You don't think think it's actually like, um, oh no, it has a very big environmental impact. It has, yes, okay, yeah, it does. Yeah. It is. If if we if there was to be a structural shift away from from eating um, animal products towards non animal products, when we think about you know emissions, land use, 
um, all the inputs that we use to, to feed animals and produce that, it does have a very environmental, a heavy environmental impact. But um, yeah, that was not the reason I had <laughs> You did it because yeah. you were like, yeah, I just... Um, I wanted to be healthier. Yeah, I was like, healthier. I wanted it. I was curious to see what it's like. I mean, mm -hmm. did I, you... but now like I'll eat eggs, I eat turkey, I eat beef. Like mm -hmm. I eat a fairly non-animal product diet, but I still eat animal products right now. You know, you know, in, in, in medicine, uh, we learned that the top three worst patients to have are uh, medical staff workers, mainly doctors. Doctors are the worst patients. <laughs> it's, an old, it's very known. The second thing are old people and immunocompromised people. The third thing is vegans and vegetarians. It's really easy to be nutrient deficient. Yeah, when you're, really? when you're yeah. vegan. That's oh. why I didn't cut out certain things and I didn't really want to commit to going full vegan because yeah. like, what yeah. do people miss out on if they're not eating? What is it like vitamin B? There's certain vitamins. Vitamin B12. B12, vitamin yeah. B12, uh, which is very important for the body. I'm not going to get into it because it's biochemistry and that is my weakest subject. <laughs> as well as uh, iron, a specific type of iron. Now we have ferrous iron and we, I forgot the other one. So it's Fe2 plus and Fe3 plus. Now the body, I think, let me just make sure from this because I don't want to sound like an idiot. Uh, I think, or you know what? I don't feel like searching it up. I'm <laughs> don't quote yes. me on this. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the iron we get from red meat or meat in general is Fe2+. Right? I think. Yeah, Fe2+. I'm not sure. And the what we can get from things like spinach and you know, uh, these plant-based diets, the iron you get is Fe3+. plus. Now, this kind of puts a strain on your body to remove Whoa. that 3+, plus and turn it back into a 2+. plus. You get anemia? You know? Is the idea? Uh, it's not. It's, it's something similar to anemia. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it happens over a long period of time. So if you actually never had meat in your life... Watch you out, vegans. Yeah, be anemia. careful. That's yeah. one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two, yeah. Two, the whole... Uh, how can you eat meat? It's this used to be a living, breathing animal. <laughs> if I wasn't gonna eat it, a tiger or a fucking lion is gonna eat it. So, doesn't make a difference. I think it's just like the mass we, consumption and the way they do it. And right? I think I think it's the problem they have with it isn't oh this was naturally going to be eaten. It's mm. a a lot of the stuff that I think the animal products we are eating in our lifetime right now come from you know mass factory production or mass production um that wouldn't have happened naturally it's like we're we are so, cr creating the these animals purely for the sake of being consumed so in that sense i think a vegan could counter that argument and say no these weren't going to be eaten naturally we as humans created these for the sake of consuming them okay, i so personally am that, not into that argument that's, I don't, yeah, I don't but, mind. But, that's but in my, the states my, but in, in in ali in kuwait they do it very different right the way they like yeah yeah, we 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 do a very different. But my mm -hmm. counter argument to that point would be: so, what would you rather have us do? Go out with bows and arrows and like fucking hunt for our food? <laughs> what do you want? We're like, what do you want us to do? We, we, it's I think it hunting. makes sense. It's to, just, well, now we can afford yeah, it. But yeah, but, but we are oh. smart enough that we could actually survive on just our ancestors could not survive on you know like they had to have beef because that was just like. 
you know, their nutrients. But now yeah. you can take a pill, right? And that can give you all the nutrients you need. And you don't actually need food, question mark. I don't know. You know what I'm trying but to say? But that's not good for your body. I'm sure it's not good it's for your body. It's not bo- good for your body. Okay. You can't survive on pills alone. Yes. Mm. No. <laughs> you can't survive on pills alone. Dude, I'm it's sure you can. Yeah. I'm sure you can. No. Sometime in the future. No, you can't. Like, no. what I study it? this shit. Okay, tell me, yeah. Ali. What, goes, what is food? What is food? I'll tell you what is food. Food mm-hmm. is large, complex, undigestible substance that break down into smaller uh, digestible substance. Mm-hmm. So when you remove that breakdown via your enzymes, Ali, <laughs> it destroys your body. Your enzymes are less. Hey, is anyone keeping a tally right now? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my, I forgot about, I'm sorry. I get carried away. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, when you, no, when I, you I just depend on, right when you yep. just, I wait, we're two Ali, Ali's, which Ali Kuwait, Ali. Hey. The one who's speaking right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, cause you're, you're right. Because in the U.S. we have a problem where, like, mm-hmm. the the Food and Drug Administration, like, we have all our labels on our foods that simply list the nutrients, and we sort of kind of got pushed into this world where we're kind of raised in the U.S. to believe that if it's quote unquote nutritionally equivalent, then it's good for us. Like, if if we can manufacture these foods that meet all the nutritional equivalencies, and we say, hey, as long as it has like you know, whatever list of vitamins and uh, whatever goes into food, like as long as that little black and white rectangle on the back of our food packaging is nutritionally equivalent, then it's it's good to go. And that's something. Uh, I can't cut off, you. Joseph. Yeah, you cut off. Yeah. Oh, um, aren't sour good? Yeah. All right. But yeah, yeah dude, no, food's, but, yeah, food's I, silly. I, no, I don't think we're, we're going to need it for much longer. No, we are going to need it. Otherwise, your body forgets how to produce specific enzymes that are... By the way, it's, uh, here's another misconception. One enzyme is not responsible for one type of food. What do you no, mean? You ha- there are enzymes mm-hmm. that are like... Here, I'll, I'll draw it real quick. We are taught in school... You can talk on your phone, that... Joseph, if you can hear us. Just like, un- like... Oh, no, I can hear you. I just oh, muted okay, myself no, no. to oh, avoid okay. the background. All right. So here we go. Right. And then we have this, and it goes a little like that. Okay. So we're taught in biology. I don't know if you can see this. This is the enzyme. (laughs) This is the substrate. Uh, This is the active site, and this is your substrate, right? Yes. So we're taught that this is the enzyme, but no, Uh the enzyme is more complex. The enzyme looks a little something like this, right? And every single, yeah, it's a scribble. Like it's It's just a scribble. scribble. Oh, I got it. Okay. Every single (laughs) part of this enzyme, every nook and cranny is made for something else as well as food. But you have other metabolic processes that happen in your goddamn body. body. And that's why we shouldn't depend on pills that are equivalent to your you know, basic know, dietary dude. needs. I, you say that, but once you have genetically engineered babies, right, that can, like, survive without, like, you know, just like... You know, gen- whatever. You know, you know, we call them designer babies. Designer babies. Uh, DJ Khaled's medicine. baby. <laughs> yeah. You know that this is illegal and very medically unethical, by the way. Uh, uh, Joseph, Joseph give views. us your opinion oh, on yeah. designer babies. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> no, no, I was, I was just with Ali. I think it's a, we're living in a very dangerous world where we're really buying into the concept of if it's nutritionally equivalent, it's good to go, you know? And I think that's a, that's a, it's a bad line. That's a very scary, excuse me, very scary line to cross. Mm. 
for so as an arrow. Why is it scary? Yeah, why, wait, why is it scary? summarize, though, what you guys are saying. Yeah. I think what if we move towards a world where, you know, meat became a little bit more of a treat? You know, the animal products, we consume them a little bit less, and we made our diet focus more on mm-hmm. natural vegetables. You know, I've really enjoyed switching over and, like, you know, if you're hungry and you want a snack, go cut up, uh, say, a, like a, I don't know, like a red, uh, red pepper you know, have that as a snack, yeah, getting people to, to eat vegetables more and move away from animal products and processed foods and enjoy veggies a little bit more, but still have, you know, meat and fish as part of our diet, not to exclude it completely. It's very necessary, especially fish. Fish is very I think, Yeah, having fish and meat in your diet. Exactly. Yeah. You like you you need this is this is listen as an I haven't Arab, eaten I, I haven't eaten I, a fish in a long time I haven't eaten a fish in a long time Ali. Oh, well, salmon's you should. You should make some salmon. Yeah. I've had some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tuna, tuna's tuna's right. good. It's still fish. It has omega <laughs> three and all that stuff. That shrimp, trout, shrimp. Yeah, I guess we can count. Shrimp's that, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shrimp's okay. But but for me as an Arab, uh, meat is a very 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 important part mm-hmm. of our daily like food. Mm-hmm. There is I there is not a day that went by in my life where I did not have meat a part of. <laughs> and I think that's something we should move away from. I don't I don't think we need to have meat every day. Mm-hmm. I I don't believe in getting rid of. Meat, I think, but what imagine a world where we have meat and fish and animal products. Uh, every other day or twice a week, you know, mm. having it less than we do now. Because, yeah, it is, it's a huge part of the culture, right? Like, of in like a lot of places where like meat is just very consumed a lot. In Lebanon, also, we need meat daily, you know what I mean? Between like a tur- turkey sandwich <laughs> in the morning, and then you eat like grills, you, know, you have your classic Lebanese grills, yeah, Lebanese grills, and whatever, you your, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah no, and your dishes, and yeah, it's just everywhere. And like, people eat raw meat. I don't know if you, Joseph, you know about the raw meat? What is that? Uh, uh, what's that uh, called in French? When you uh, kibbe? Uh, okay, what's it called? What do the French what do you call it? What do the French call it? I don't care what the that's, word that's for the, it. The raw meat. is literally translated to raw meat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's <laughs> literally the translation. You guys like uh, merguez? I love merguez. What's that? I don't know what that is. You guys haven't had merguez? No. I wonder if no. I can share my screen and you'd recognize it. What's it called? I'll type you can't it here. Share your What's Merguez. M-E-R-G-U-E-Z. It's like lamb, spicy sausage. As like, it's a mix, like lamb oh, and beef. Yeah, we, we have these sausages, yeah. These are what? Uh, it's just beef. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, well, I've had these sausages. We, uh, yeah, it's sausages, yeah. And then look at this. Look at this. I don't have that. Just raw meat, Joseph. I know this will pop up. Yeah, look at that. Just raw meat. Oh, that's gross. Uh, <laughs> that's like people eat that very eat often, that too, Joseph. So. Yeah. I've never had it. Like, no. Eat it. It's like, I don't <laughs> think raw meat is good for you. No. You don't think so? Meat. It's not? No. Oh, well. I don't tell you. And then, yeah, what else is uh You can go like, have you ever had like goat balls? Ali, I don't know if you've had them. We have like, um, I mean, I've heard of people eating it, but I never tried it. Here, where, uh, delicacy is the brain, heart, and tongue of the sheep. The tongue, the senet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The brain. Have tongue, you ever had sheep brain? brain? Have you I mean, had... I, tried the, I tried it once. And... <laughs> you know what sheep brain tastes like, Joseph? I've never had sheep brain. No. <laughs> what is it? Um, just like... 
I don't know how I to know. explain it. Yeah. You're like you just you try it. You should try, <laughs> try it. it. You should try it. Yeah. Also, what if uh, I became uh, your lo- third, guys, on this podcast, I'll join. I'll join as your third. Oh, you have to get the. You have to have the sheep brain. That's one too. You need to change first. your name from Joseph to Ellie so we can be a <laughs> cubed. Yes, true. That is legally. True. <laughs> legally, it's just not. It's just yeah. not part of the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. that's how. That's the only way. You can join. Otherwise, <laughs> A2J. A2J. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then we had a- more people on A2J BL. Yeah, we just have like, hey, yo, no, hey, KK, what? No, 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 Ellie, no, no. No, yo, uh, Tiago, cut this out. <laughs> Tiago, I didn't say anything. Cut this out. All right, yikes! I didn't say anything. All right, no. um, all right, but no. Okay, so let's get into what I want to discuss with this lovely person, yes. guest of ours today. Mm-hmm. Renewable energies. So, how long do you think before you guys put us out of business? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think natural gas is going to be what's going to be king. You know looking out in the next like 30, 40 years, 50 years, natural gas is going to be the intermediary. You know, everyone's talking about what is natural this. gas. Yeah. Natural gas is a cleaner alternative uh, than using say oil. Um, and I think it, you know, it burns pretty clean has fairly minimal impact on the environment compared to other fossil fuels. Um, and it's cheap, you know, and it's, and it's, it's going to think, I think it might, it's going to serve as, a key transition point between what we see as a, a more dirty fossil fuel oriented society towards, you know, 100% renewable. That's a difficult goal to, to build a, a, an electric grid that is 100% renewable. Um, the, way, the way we see things right now, natural gas will probably be the biggest, um, the biggest source, at least in the United States, the biggest source of, uh, how we like of our what they call the generation mix it's like when we if we broke down yeah so it's gonna like transition forces mm-hmm. natural gas will probably be the biggest in our renewable transition mm-hmm. and then uh, wind will probably be one of the next big sources yeah. mm-hmm. solar is going to be a bit behind wind um and we're going to see coal continue to phase out you know the next 30 40 50 years um, and I think nuclear, nuclear. Uh, and hydro will probably stay about the same proportion as yeah. they are now. Well, it'll be the same amount, so the proportion will probably decline. I don't, I don't think we have any big plans to build uh, more nuclear power plants. Why not? In the US. Isn't it like effective to creating a lot of power? Yeah, it but is, but it's it's just not something we plan to mm-hmm. build in the U.S. I don't know about other. I know like Germany's phasing out most of their their nuclear power plants. Um, but I don't know. I'm not very familiar with kind of the global take on um, where other countries are going to be building nuclear. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I don't follow that very much. Yeah. You guys know? I mean, Iran is uh, trying to clear <laughs> oh as, yeah. you know, as their sustainable energy source. Mm-hmm. But uh, and Russia as well. Russia is claiming to dig up all their uraniums for nuclear energy. They have a so, lot of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's why countries are trying to, you know, find alternatives because it's easy to say, oh, we want to use this for nuclear power and then, like, they just turn into bombs, you know, without anyone knowing. So that's one. Two, uh, I'm, I'm a believer, I'd say, 
in uh, renewable energy and reusing and reducing <gasps> and recycling. Yeah, no, no. We, I thought, but, uh, but oil. Here's, here's a fun fact. <laughs> Kuwait is one of the only two countries that uses seawater for their bottling, water bottling service and their, the water we get. Yeah. We have this ultra distillery filtration system. Oh that my grabs God. Well, you guys use reverse, reverse osmosis, right? I'm not sure. I think we do distillation mainly. Oh I'm not God. really that's an crazy. engineer. But and you, that's how you get your use salt country. water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salt water from the sea, taken in, cleaned out, refined, you know, have all the chemicals they need to put the sodium and chloride and fluoride and all these stuff. They put it in the water and they send it to either your home. So the water I use in my toilet, for example, in the kitchen, you know, the hose outside. That that's cleans, all like salt uh, water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all originally from the sea. Mm-hmm. So well, we, are, yeah. we are like believers in, you know, let's try and reduce. Like consumption. Well, what's good about that is that the reason that reverse osmosis isn't as, um, it's not super prevalent right now in the world is because it's very energy intensive. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of energy to convert salt water into fresh water, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's very expensive. It's expensive because it's energy intensive. So that's the why big they're question, the only countries that have it. <laughs> right. like but imagine if you have the, the, the big thing about renewable energy resources is that they often have high fixed costs. And then from there, they continue to generate energy at low or close to nothing in terms of their variable costs. So like, Imagine you have like a reverse osmosis set up to generate clean water from fresh water that's powered by, say, solar panels or wind. So it becomes it, that, in an, in an essence, renewable energy application yes, can, can mm-hmm. remove the energy intensity question because mm-hmm. if you're generating it low cost or close to no cost, then it's no longer expensive to do reverse osmosis. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's um, true. I don't know if you know this in Lebanon, Joseph. We have we still don't have electricity. <laughs> we still so what people have like people get electricity like twelve hours a day. Let's say in like Beirut, right? And then and for the other twelve hours, they either have like a generator or like backup fuel or a battery. And it's crazy to think about like how like you know the United States is thinking about you know I mean like all these ways of like to switch up their energy while there are countries that still don't have uh, energy at all. You know, like South Sudan, like has like three hours of energy per day or, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, yeah. Lebanon should invest in grabbing energy from the sea and from the We have sun. oil just getting smuggled outside of the country. <laughs> That's oh, the problem. You guys need to, you need to <laughs> crack down on the wall. Like, like it sucks to you. You guys yes. have a sea, right? You're, you're, you're like the whole of Lebanon. All mm. the main cities are next to the sea. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's that's your first source of energy that you can use. Yeah. You guys are on top of a mountain and it gets very windy in Lebanon. I've been mm-hmm. there. It gets really windy. Okay. Set up your wind turbines that grab the energy. You know, okay, it's expensive. I know who's gonna fund it. Yeah, but how how does that work? It's expen- but it's an individual investment. citizens. Yes, yeah, investment. Who 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 pays for that? Yeah, it's hard because in the U.S. we have the reason there in present years the reason solar and wind has been has been so prevalent and continued to to have more deployment is because we have what we call the investment tax credit and the production tax credit, and so. Up until around now, it's, they're starting to phase it out. The investments ta- tax credit 
uh, and the production tax credit have heavily uh, benefited both wind uh, and solar. And so for, for say something like solar, which ha has largely benefited from um, the production tax credit, which is a, 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 do a dollar per kilowatt hour um, value, that is heavily subsidized solar panels. So while solar not only is becoming cheaper, they've had this production tax credit that's been subsidizing the cost of, of solar. And same thing with wind. Wind is very capital intensive and they've been using the investment tax credit. Um, and so these things have led to very, very high mm -hmm. subsidization. It's of, a good investment. Uh, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. of both solar and wind. And now as those are phased out, new new solar and wind are, are gonna slow down at least temporarily. So, you know, it, it can be hard because solar and wind, you know, they're becoming cost competitive right now. But in previous years, it's been expensive to deploy them because mm -hmm. they, they weren't quite cost competitive. In a perfect world, I see that they would put all over the deserts of Arabia and North Africa, solar panels. Yeah, and the, high the whole world. Region. Yeah. Listen, in the mountainous region, they, I'd see like they should have, you know, the wind turbines in uh, areas close to oceans and seas where you have the current, the ocean current is prevalent. They should have the hydro, what's it called? I forgot. Hydropower? Hydropower. Okay. Uh, that's, that's in an ideal world. And they could literally power the whole world. Mm -hmm. You yeah, could. Those, I mean, it's possible, right? Yeah. It's possible. It's, it's, it's like, who's, how's it going to happen? Who's going to do it? Well, how does it? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, Amer yeah. Uh, America's it. not going to agree to power North Korea. Arabia's not going to agree to power Israel. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, well, there's, it's, feasib it's feasibility yeah. concerns, too, because when you the, – the big issue is that many of these sources that have high wind or solar potential, they're not often near points of consumption. So a, a good example is, say, in Chile, the, in, in northern Chile, they have what's called the Atacama Desert, which – has one of the highest solar incidence rates in the world. And so that means, oh great, let's just set up a bunch of solar panels and, and get a bunch of power. Well, that desert is thousands of miles from where that energy is actually needed, where it, has, where it would be consumed. And so that's why we have, you know, in, in, in the US and other countries, we have these concepts of transmission and distribution infrastructures. So we transmit, energy across transmission lines, these long distances at high voltage, mm -hmm. and we, we transmit it. How long? Voltage. How far? It could be thousands. I mean, in the US, I don't know how long our transmission lines can be, but they can be hundreds of miles, I think at least. But the point isn't the distance. The point is, is that, um, well, I guess the point is the distance. Is that in, when you, it takes energy to transmit energy. So every time you send energy among, along a transmission line, there are, there are efficiency losses. Efficiency and it's like, if you look at your, your bill, there's the actual energy you consume. Most of the time in a residential household that the energy component that you're billed for, for what you personally use, is less than the transmission cost. So you spend usually more in a typical residential household just to have the energy sent to you, then you did spend on the energy itself. Wait, so like my my electricity bill, right? 
Yeah, like take so it, the action, if you pull up, yeah. mm-hmm. you that, pull up your, your next electricity bill, look at it, and you'll uh-huh. see the transmission component is probably more expensive than the energy component. That's crazy. Is, I didn't know that. So yeah. Uh-huh. This, this is kind of getting at what when we have all these places where like we have we actually have to transmit it to where these people are consuming it. And so it can be extremely expensive and you're going to lose a lot of energy sending it along the way. But there's still good solutions, you know, to these kinds of issues. If you can set up, say, high voltage transmission lines. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is it you set up these ultra high voltage transmission lines and they use what they call direct current so that when, say, solar, when solar comes in from the sun it, and it strikes a solar panel, this is generating direct current electricity. And most of the time, like in the U.S., we're transmitting. Oh, it's so loud here. There we go. I had to close the window. We're transmitting um, and using alternating current. So in order to to use an alternating current line, you have to invert the electricity that was generated and you have to convert it from DC to AC. And then you send it along all these lines. And then once it gets to the residential areas, you then again have to convert it again from AC to DC. And then when you're, when you're doing all these conversions and you're also, when you're transmitting electricity, you're stepping the voltage up and down, mm-hmm. which also to change the voltage, you lose energy. At energy. That point. And, uh, yeah, so it's very inefficient. The whole point is that yeah. you lose so much energy. So much in- inefficiency. Yeah. Yeah. That's and crazy. It just becomes, Whoa. that's why we're moving towards this You world. could probably power all of like another country with the amount of energy you're losing through like transmission and right yes yeah yes. Mm-hmm. that's why people are very the hot topic to to know about right now is mm-hmm. in energy is what they call distributed energy resources so in many many countries we have this very centralized idea of what a, a, an electric grid should look like we have centers where we generate electricity you know large centers generating all our power and then we send that off to the rest of the places where we need to consume it but in a more futuristic world, we're slowly thinking about the idea of distributed energy resources. That includes things like solar, wind, the Tesla battery pack, electric <laughs> vehicles. Yes. These are all considered distributed energy resources. And so it's a, the idea would be, how can we start moving towards this world where we consume energy closer to the points of consumption the, and that or it was also generated so say the idea of generating electricity where you're at 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 or near the points of consumption to avoid you know a lot of these issues with not just losses but also um you know grid reliability and um having uh, almost like the idea of redundancy in your grid. So if there's yes. ever mm-hmm. some sort of major outage or a major pandemic event like this, a- say the pandemic was worse and people literally couldn't leave their homes. And then what if people maintaining the electric grid couldn't go and there was an, a, big, a big outage somewhere and this one centralized point failed us and now thousands of people are without power. Thankfully, the way it's set up now, we haven't had any of those issues, but what if something happened worse? And so it kind of gets at this idea of how can we have more distributed sources of energy um, in order to, you know, one, promote the environment and by using renewable, because many distributed energy resources 
they don't have to be renewable, but many of them are like solar and wind um, and having, you know, solar panels are in our houses and our own battery packs and all and whatnot. But how can we promote that in order to boost the environment and our security? Well, and our security. Yes. And the yeah. environment. Yeah. And economically too, it's cheaper. It's much cheaper on the long run, right? To have something that is free, like, you know, solar power. Or, um, We're getting there. We're yeah. getting there. We, the, but they use Maybe the metrics. The low, they call it the levelized cost of electricity. Still, many fossil fuels are a little bit more, uh, a little bit cheaper um, when you look at what is the cost per kilowatt hour generated yeah. over the course of the lifetime. But we're getting closer and closer. Yeah. Like, um, mm -hmm. for example, type in the levelized cost. If you type in levelized cost of electricity on your screen mm -hmm. of solar and you look, it, just pull up Google Images, you can kind of probably see a graph that gives you an idea of the way the world is moving in recent years. Let's see this. Levelized cost of energy. Yeah, and go to images and put put but put solar panels. Put solar panels, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can see a transition over time. Oh, I see it. Yeah, this is for wind and solar, right? This is it's getting yeah. cheaper. Mm -hmm. Exact something that kind of shows you. I wish they had. Do they have one that has um, a comparison with other uh, technologies on it? Let's see. Oh, well, what's that one below you there? Right there. What, does that have other technologies on it? What about this? Nuclear, coal. Yeah, this has it. Yeah, so this yeah. gives you an idea of how expensive uh -huh. these things used to be. Yeah. Whoa, this is super expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so we're slowly. Way cheaper. Yeah, well, not getting, slowly. Look at that. That's like 10 years. Yeah, we're getting that. a huge transition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, things are becoming cost competitive. So, yeah, Kuwait's going to get out of uh, business in how long? <laughs> One, do, how long does it <laughs> take long for, I don't know. Yeah, does this transition take place? Do you think if you were to say, yeah, if you were to like give us your professional prediction, right? How long do you think until like we're at like 50% of the consumption of oil right, right now? How about that? Yeah. Hmm, maybe. I would guess 50 years at the minimum, at least 50 years, maybe longer. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, the ace is still up our sleeves. It's my gonna, it's gonna be my closing remark. Uh, <laughs> yes. We have invested a lot in oil. Our main income is oil and crude oil exportation, I think is the word. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we aren't blindly just pumping it out without thinking about our backup plan. The Kuwaiti society will understand what I just said, so you don't need to worry too much. I didn't even about understand. It. Yeah, that's that's good. Anyways, and yeah, uh, thanks for coming yeah, on, man. Joseph, it's good to see you, dude. It's very good it to is. see you. Thank you yeah. for coming. Have you seen uh, Have you seen any movies recently, Joseph? Do you mind just to ask this real quick? Um. Yeah. Most recently, I saw oh, this good movie with Sean Penn called Mystic River. Mystic River. Okay. I All thought right. that was really good. I haven't seen that one. All right. Well, <laughs> Joseph, thanks for coming on. Thank you for coming. Is thanks there for coming on the show. Is, anything is there wanna... anything you want to say before you're off? I don't know. And uh, If it's a nice day out wherever you are, go enjoy, uh, enjoy the weather, but wear your mask. 
you know, get some air. Yeah. Don't let the don't let the pandemic get to you. You know, try That's to take it one day at a time. Just because home lockdown restrictions have been lifted doesn't mean the pandemic is over. It means there are more places in the ICU for you. So I don't know if you watched any more episodes. This is how we sign out. Salute to cover the cam. I am peace.